welcome to our 41st episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Well, Russell, can you tell us a little bit about what's happening with Two Tankers and a Cat? Yeah, actually, we're continuing to grow just like we have been. I've been pretty darn impressed. I believe we've had almost 15,000 downloads now uh, through Podbean. That's not counting through all the other places out there where you can download us, but that's that's one of our biggest places that you can download us. And I notice our Facebook stats and our YouTube stats are going up uh, pretty pretty well. Yeah. I know YouTube has really taken off big time. I've been impressed with that, too. Excellent. Um, again, if you notice any microphone problems on my side, it's because we are still practicing social distancing. I am in uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas, and Russ is at uh, Parsons, Kansas. So we're kind of using Skype and uh, other recording software to get it out there. So, you know, if you guys can deal with some audio problems, uh, hopefully we'll get this disease virus thing behind us and we can move on. Yeah, exactly. I think we'll be in pretty good shape here in the next month and hopefully it'll stay away. No doubt. Because there's a couple of trips that that I want to go on, see some tanks this year. They opened a new... Uh, tank museum. I think that's up in Wyoming. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was Wyoming or Montana. Yeah, I believe it's yeah, I believe it's Western Wyoming, south of Yellowstone National Park and right around Grand Teton National Park in that area. So we're going to go check that out and we'll tell you how that is hopefully this year. Talk to us about our first point. Yeah, today our first point is going to be the South Korean K2 Black Panther tank. And I know our second point is the North Korean uh, Pak Pung Ho tank, but we are going to be calling the North Korean tank the Storm Tiger. When you put it in the translator, it actually translates as Storm Tiger. And it's North Korea's most you know, advanced tank that they have now. Wow. Um, yeah, we're going to compare South Korean tanks against North Korean <laughs> tanks. Actually, you know, I've read up about this K2 Black Panther that the South Koreans have. This isn't a bad tank, but we'll get into it. Uh, the reason I've been researching this is uh, my beautiful niece, Ashlyn, uh, has recently got engaged to a guy named uh, Isaiah. And uh, he's currently deployed in South Korea, and he's an M1 tanker. Oh, sweet. Yeah, he actually drives the M1, and, you know, he's a solid, you know, U.S. military Marine, or uh, Army guy. and yeah. You'll have so, to get him on here through Skype or something one of these days. Actually, I'm hoping to do a, a have, you know, when we all get together and he gets back from South Korea, I'd like to have him just come down and sit down with us and in the studio and do an interview. Yeah, that would be really neat. Because he, he's up on the, all the new technology and, you know, because I was telling him, oh, yeah, I know all about the M1 Abrams and what kind of technology he has. And he goes, you know, that's all dated. <laughs> he says, we have stuff on there. You won't believe. Oh you know? yeah. I can just imagine. I'm like, Ooh, can you tell me about it? He goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, some of that stuff is still pretty secretive. And I'm like, well, so the M1 Abrams is better than we think it is. And he goes, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh sure yeah. It is. <laughs> They're just not out there saying, Hey, look what we can do. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's get started on our first point, the K2 uh, Black Panther. It's a uh, next-generation South Korean main battle tank designed by the South Korean Agency for Defense and Development. And man, and I love this, and it's manufactured by Hyundai. Oh, wow. <laughs> I used to own a little uh, Hyundai, and uh, it, it was a great it was a great car. I ran it to, what, 200,000 miles? Oh, yeah, they last quite a while. But they developed it as a main battle tank uh, that will replace most of the remaining M48 Patton tanks and complement the K-1 series of the main battle tanks currently fielded by the South Korean military. The K-2 Black Panther combines advanced composite armor along with hard and soft kill active protection systems. Mass production commenced in 2013, and the first K-2s were deployed with the armed forces in June of 2014. The K-2 cost over the U.S. $8.5 million per unit, making it one of the most expensive main battle tanks in service. You know, Russ, we were talking last time about the M1 costing, what, almost $9 million. The Koreans have really just put a ton of technology in this tank. Oh, wow. Yeah, at $8.5 million a piece. I'm sure it's got some tech. Well, yeah, especially when you can buy the uh, Russian T-90 tank for, what, $2.2 million or something? Yeah, that's right. Russell... Tell us more. In 1995, the South Korean Agency for Defense Development was given the task of developing a modern armored fighting vehicle based upon South Korean state-of-the-art domestic technologies. It was intended for this development program to further modernize the South Korean Army despite the superior capability of existing K-1 and K-1A-1 designs versus existing North Korean tanks most of which are aging T-55s and Type 59s. Emphasis upon indigenous technologies would also allow the proposed vehicle to enter the export market without licensing difficulties. Now, one of the fun things is, you know, we always talk about the Type 59 tank. We need to do an episode on oh, that. Oh, I agree. North Korea is, you know, trying to make money, and they're selling all these old tanks. And I'm like, you know, if me and Russ put some money together we could get one of these type 59s <laughs> yeah i still think that'd be great to drive around and probably cost us more to export it over here than it's worth yeah and then we'd have our nice friends from homeland security going <laughs> uh why are you making military deals with the north <laughs> korean no we just want the tank man <laughs> early design variants included a version with an unmanned turret which was later scrapped in favor of manned turret designs it was also planned for the vehicle to be equipped with Rheinmetall's experimental 140mm smoothbore gun, though this had to be abandoned when the Rheinmetall ceased development upon the rationale that its current weapon, the 120mm slash L55, would be more than adequate to counter prospective armored threats for the foreseeable future. The K2 was subsequently reconfigured for the 120mm slash L55, though it is capable of mounting the 140mm gun with minimum modifications should the need arise. You know what? People don't know a lot about Rheinmetall, but that's a German manufacturing. And when you're talking about accuracy and kill power, 
I hate to say it, the Germans still make a good oh, yeah. gun. When compared to the K1A1 tank, the K2's main gun reloads quicker and reaches targets faster. Although both are 120 millimeters, the K2's barrel is 1.3 meters or about 4.3 feet longer at 6.6 meters, 22 foot total length, resulting in a higher muzzle velocity of about 1,400 meters per second or 4,600 feet per second. Now that is a good yeah. job. We're talking about a 22 foot long gun with high velocity is what, 4,600 4, feet I per know. second? Incredible. <laughs> Other features include the tank's ability to cross a 4 meter or 13 foot deep river, a posture control function that can lower its height by 40 centimeters or about 16 inches, and a laser warning system that turns the turret towards the source of hostile fire almost instantaneously. Okay, we're talking about a tank that can cross 13 foot deep river. I mean, you know how we used to have to build bridges and everything like that. This tank's like, nope, we'll just drive through. And then you look at the simple fact that it's hiding behind a mound and, it, you know, it's trying to get lower. It can lower its height by 16 inches or, like you said, 40 centimeters. Okay, Russ, I know a little bit about the K2's uh, optics and fire controls. They're very advanced. Uh, can you tell us about them? Yeah, the K2 is equipped with an advanced fire control system linked to an extremely high-frequency radar system deployed on the frontal arc of the turret, along with a traditional laser rangefinder and crosswind sensor. The system is capable of a lock-on mode, which can acquire and track specific targets up to a range of 9.8 kilometers or 6.1 miles. And that's using a thermographic camera. This allows the crew to fire accurately while moving, as well as engage low-flying aircraft. 6.1 miles, that's just incredible. Yeah, and what again? We were talking about like my uh, niece's fiance, Isaiah. He's like, "Oh, you don't know what the M1 really has." <laughs> and I'm like, "Wait a minute, this is old tech, and it can kill an aircraft six Golly, miles away." That's crazy. The fire control system is also linked to an advanced gun stabilizer and trigger delay mechanism to optimize accuracy while moving in uneven terrain. If the trigger on the main gun is pulled, at the same time the tank encounters an irregularity in the train, oscillation of the gun barrel will cause temporary misalignment between a laser emitter at the top of the barrel and a sensor at the base. This will delay the fire control system from activating until the beam is realigned, improving the chances of hitting the intended target. Okay, so what you're telling me in layman's terms, if this thing's driving down the road and it's aimed and locked in with its laser, and it's going to kill this target, and it hits a pothole and gets misaligned, but you pull the trigger, it doesn't fire <laughs> until it's realigned again. Yeah, the Korean gunner's the primary sight, the KGPS, and the Korean commander's panoramic sight, the KCPS, are present in the Black Panther, as in the original series of K1A1 tanks, though modified to utilize the more advanced sensors and armaments deployed on the K2. The commander of the tank has the ability to override the command to take control of the turret and gun from the gunner. Moreover, unconfirmed reports state that in the event of an emergency, the vehicle can be operated by only two crew members 
or even a single one. This tank's got a full crew, and if by some weird happening they're down to one crew member, this tank can continue to fight. I agree. That's, That's just, awesome. It's incredible. It is speculated that the fire control system can automatically spot and track visible targets, compare them using the data link established with other friendly vehicles to prevent redundant target engagements, and fire its main gun without manual input. Now, I want to get this down for, you know, easy terms for guys like me. This tank is connected by Wi-Fi or whatever, a data link, to all the other tanks. So if they all aim at one tank to fire, (laughs) only one tank fires. So... They'll say, okay, this tank's locked onto this, so they'll start locking on to other targets besides, you know, you know, everybody it firing is. at one target. Oh, man, that, that's incredible. Like I keep saying, man, there's some cool technology right here. You know, a tank that can be run by one crewman uh, it, it is amazing. The K2's primary anti-tank munition is an indigenously developed, improved tungsten APF-SDS kinetic energy penetrator. For attacking unhardened targets, the K2 can use a multi-purpose heat chemical energy round, similar to the US M830A1 heat MP-T, providing good offensive capabilities against personnel, unarmored and lightly armored vehicles on the ground, as well as low-flying helicopters. So, basically, if this thing is going to kill tanks, it uses its tungsten rounds, and it's got this new heat chemical round that shoots everything else, including low-flying helicopters and airplanes. Man. That's awesome. What else does it have ammunition-wise? The Korean Smart Top Attack Munition is a fire-and-forget top attack anti-tank munition with an effective operating range of 2 to 8 kilometers, or 1.2 to 5 miles, developed specifically for use with the K2. It is launched as a kinetic energy projectile fired from the main gun in a high trajectory profile comparable to that of a mortar. Upon reaching its designated target area, a parachute deploys, giving onboard millimeter band radar, infrared, and radiometer sensors time to seek and acquire stationary or moving targets. When a target is acquired, An explosively formed penetrator is fired from a top-down position to exploit the weaker top armor of tanks. Target acquisition can also be directed manually by the tank crew via a remote link. These characteristics allow the launch vehicle to remain concealed behind cover while firing successive rounds toward the known location of an enemy or provide effective indirect fire support against targets hidden behind obstacles and structures. Okay. So again, go back to the layman, this gun shooting up in the air, popping a parachute. The guys in the tank can control the parachute a little bit. And let's say there's a tank hiding behind, you know, a wall or anything that's hidden, even behind, you know, a big hill or, you know, some kind of concealment or cover. And then it fires from the parachute straight down into the weak part of the tank or wherever and kills it. So basically anything this shoots at anything this thing shoots at is going to die. That's just amazing. 
How's the protection on this tank, Russell? Can it take a hit? Details of the composite armor of the Black Panther classified. The frontal armor has been claimed to be effective against the 120mm APF SDS round fired from the L-55 gun. Explosive reactive armor blocks are also present with the addition of non-explosive reactive armor planned for the K2 uh, product improvement program version. Defense against incoming missiles is provided by a soft kill anti-missile system. The millimeter band radar system mounted on the turret is capable of operating as a missile approach warning system. The vehicle's computer, in turn, can triangulate incoming projectiles, immediately warn the vehicle crew, and fire off visual and infrared screening smoke grenades, which can effectively block optical, infrared, and radar signatures. Once the hard kill AMS is installed, the radar system will also be responsible for tracking and targeting the incoming missiles for the AMS. Wow. It, so the, let's say the crew's, you know, got the tank turned on and they decide, hey, let's grab something to eat. And they're opening a MRE and they're sitting there eating. All of a sudden the smoke grenades go off and it starts going, you know, it's automatic protection. The crew's like, what the heck? And they, by the time they figure it out, the missile is already missed, you know, because they've used uh, this grenade smoke or they've killed it. That's amazing. Uh, tell us more. Just tell us more. The K2 also has a radar warning receiver and radar jammer. Four all-bearing laser warning receivers are also present to alert the crew should the vehicle become painted. And the computer can also deploy VIRSS grenades towards the direction of the beam. An automatic fire suppression system is programmed to detect and put out any internal fires that may occur and atmospheric sensors alert the crew if the tank enters a hazardous environment. So, this tank, again, like, well, let's say the guys are in there, they've got the tank set up to protect itself. They're in there eating, and all of a sudden, it starts beeping, saying, you know, it's a gas attack or a biological attack, you know, some kind of chemical weapon or biological weapon attack. And it automatically, you know, tells them to seal up and turn on the filtered air system. But if a guy is in there using a laser to, sh you know, try to shoot him with a anti-tank missile or, or maybe an aircraft guided missile, it pops off these visual thing and kills the laser. This thing is just amazing. You know, South Korean tanks have this, like you was talking about earlier, the M1s has got to be just incredible. Stuff that we don't know about. Yes. Because even when I was researching this, and I know when you were researching it, it was a bunch of stuff that was classified. Getting around the battlefield when all hell is breaking loose, it's got to have a flaw somewhere. Russell, tell us about the flaws. K2 can travel at speeds up to 70 kilometers per hour on the road surfaces, accelerate from 0 to 32 kilometers per hour within 8.7 seconds, and maintain speeds up to 52 kilometers per hour in off-road conditions. It can also climb 60-degree slopes and vertical obstacles 1.8 meters in height. And due to the relatively compact design of the engine, the designers were able to fit an additional Samsung Techwin gas turbine engine into the remaining compartment space. This is capable of producing 100 horsepower and intended to act as an auxiliary power unit with which the tank 
may power its onboard systems when its main engines are turned off. It'll also allow the tank to conserve fuel when idling and minimize the vehicle's thermal and acoustic signatures. The vehicle can cross rivers as deep as 4.1 meters using a snorkel system, which also serves as a conning tower for the tank commander. The system takes approximately 20 to 30 minutes to prepare. The turret becomes watertight while fording, but the chassis can take in 500 gallons of water to prevent excessive buoyancy from air inside the vehicle and keep the tracks planted firmly on the ground. Furthermore, the tank can enter combat-ready status as soon as it resurfaces. A K2 tank does not require outside assistance for river crossings. Again, we've got a 13-foot river and they're like okay it's going to take us about 20 30 minutes to you know get it watertight and go go across this you know rocky river so they're going underneath there and they're like hey we're starting to float they can take water on to get heavier to you know firmly plant the tracks and can you continue to cross and when it pops up out of it it's still ready to shoot and ready to fight <laughs> this is amazing okay maybe this thing doesn't have any uh, it looks like it don't Russ, go ahead and give us more info the black panther fields an advanced suspension system called the in-arm suspension unit which allows for individual control of every bogey on the tracks this allows the k2 to sit stand and kneel as well as lean towards one side or a corner Sitting gives the tank a low profile and offers superior handling over roads. Standing gives the vehicle higher ground clearance for maneuverability over rough terrain. And kneeling augments the angular range in which the tank's gun barrel can elevate and depress, allowing the vehicle to fire its main gun downhill as well as engage low-flying aircraft more effectively. So you're telling me this thing has a suspension that... Uh, it can sit, stand, kneel, where's lean. So it can lean around a corner to take a shot. It can give itself a lower profile. It's like, ooh, we're behind a wall, but they still could get a shot at us. So let's go ahead and lower down. And if there's a bunch of rocks or something, you know, that are going to hit the bottom, that it can raise up and drive over them. And the whole kneeling, you know, where it can raise up, raise down with a gun depression. This is incredible. Tell us more. The suspension unit also cushions the chassis from vibrations when traveling over uneven terrain as the bogies can be adjusted individually on the fly. Using the suspension system, K2 is able to elevate its main gun up to 24 degrees, which allows a curved trajectory attack at a hovering helicopter target 5 kilometers or 3.1 miles away. Wow. Just wow. It can sit there, elevate its gun to 24 degrees and say... Okay, we can shoot at this helicopter that's, you know, kind of going around our infantry and stuff and kill it. And this poor North Korean helicopter doesn't even... Can you imagine the pilot getting back to his commander? Well, well what knocked you out? A missile? No, a tank. A tank. tank shot me. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. The K-2 also has advanced track system called Dynamic Track Tensioning System, or DTTS, and that allows... Com- a computer to keep the track's tension optimally by constantly changing its suspension automatically, making it hard to break away, even in extreme maneuver. Holy crap. I think I just found my favorite new tank. And I am not the only one. In January 2020, uh, Poland 
announced negotiations with Hyundai, which still kills me, <laughs> uh, for license production of the K2 Panther tank for the Polish Army to replace its legacy Soviet systems, uh, the T-72 and the PT-91 and the Leopard uh, 2A4. Okay, Russ, we've talked a lot about about the stats, but, you know, that's my favorite part. Go ahead and give us the stats. Yeah, they've built about 260 of these tanks. Uh, It's got a mass of 55 tons, an overall length without the barrel of about 10.8 meters, or 35 foot 5 inches. It's about 3.6 meters wide, or 11 foot 10 inches. And it's 2.4 meters high, or 7 foot 10 inches. It's got a crew of three, which includes the commander, the gunner, and the driver. The main armament is the Hyundai WIA 120mm or 55 caliber smoothbore gun. And they carry about 40 rounds of that with them. Has a secondary armament of one 50 caliber K6 heavy machine gun. They carry about 3,200 rounds of ammunition for that gun. They've also got one 7.62 NATO coaxial machine gun. And they carry about 12,000 rounds of that. It's got a it's got a KA501 four-cycle 12-cylinder water-cooled diesel engine. It's got a power-to-weight ratio of 27.2 horsepowers per ton. The transmission is an S&T Dynamics EST15K transmission with six forward and three reverse speeds. It has an in-arm suspension unit system. The operational range is about 450 kilometers or 280 miles. It has a speed on paved roads of about 70 kilometers per hour or 43 miles per hour. It has a cross-country speed of 50 kilometers per hour, which comes out to about 31 miles per hour. And accelerates from 0 to 32 kilometers per hour or 0 to 20 miles per hour in 7 seconds. Wow. So you're talking about a 55-ton tank. They can go to zero to 20 in seven seconds. I don't even think my little Ford will do that. (laughs) You know, I'm just so impressed with this K2. What an awesome tank. But in the spirit of fairness, let's look at North Koreans and let's talk about the Ho tank. Uh, (laughs) Basically, it's called the Pak Pong Ho. And I was just going to call it a Ho tank, but I was like, no, somebody somebody will be offended. (laughs) So we'll... We'll do the English translation of that, and it's called the Storm Tiger. Okay. Uh, the Storm Tiger is a North Korean main battle tank, and it was developed in the 1990s. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a little behind the times, but go ahead, Russ. The tank incorporates technology found in the T-72, and outside parties codenamed the tank the M-2002 because the tank went through performance trials on February 16th, 2002, although the tank may have been in existence since 1992. The Storm Tiger is only known to be used in North Korea. After the dissolution of the Soviet Union, a significant number of T-72s were decommissioned from Soviet service and scrapped for metal. North Korea is believed to have acquired some of these scrapped T-72s and obtained core technology for use on the Storm Tiger through reverse engineering. It is also believed North Korea acquired samples of T-80s in early 1990s from Afghanistan. So it it has a deal with Afghanistan. So when the Soviet Union leaves, the Russians leave, and and they have some of these T-80s, they're like, hey, uh, 
uh, Afghanistan. Give us those tanks. <laughs> North Korea's interest in the T-90 was demonstrated in August of 2001 when Kim Jong-il visited a defense plant, which builds the T-90 during his visit to Russia. However, North Korea failed to acquire the T-90 since then, as South Korean and Russian governments agreed to cease supplying arms technology to North Korea since 1994. The destruction of Iraqi T-72s by Western tanks such as the M1 Abrams during the Gulf War demonstrated the poor combat performance of the older export variants of the T-72s against top-of-the-line Western models. North Korea decided to significantly modernize its tank fleet to bridge the performance gap between its main battle tanks and the South Korean main battle tanks. However, economic struggles and a lack of several core technologies seem to have prevented North Korea from achieving high production numbers. You know, we're sitting here talking about the North Korean difference between the South Korean, and they're getting old T-72s and, and, and that stuff that basically the Russians were getting rid of as scrap and, and they got these tanks and they're trying to bring it up to right, you're trying to use 1990 technology against 2020 technology and that's a 30-year technology you know gap if we learned one thing that if you have one solid good modern metal uh, modern battle tank you know even though you might have 30 regular tanks they're gonna die you know when we talked about uh the iraqis uh they didn't have infrared they didn't have laser guided and stuff like that rm1s were just sitting back there just popping them and they couldn't even see where they were coming from they couldn't even see the rounds so the north koreans are building all these main battle tanks with 30 year old technology they're not they're, they're nothing but a they're not going to be a threat against these uh south korean main battle tanks well Tell us about production. Also, did they add the holes they found in the Afghanistan tanks? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's that's a bad joke. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that the Afghans just sent them to them without big holes in them. The first Storm Tigers believed to have been produced in 1992 in the Ryu Kyung Tank Factory, located in Singhung under the Second Academy of Defense Science. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Probably should have used their first and not the second. You know, they're talking about the second Academy of Defense. <laughs> Probably should have used their first one. It's going to make yeah. a main battle thing. Probably should go with the best you got, but they, <laughs> they used the second one. I'm sorry. It's a joke. Go ahead. Because of North Korea's limited industrial capability, compounded by the fact that North Korea has also spent most of the resources allotted for the development of the Storm Tiger on its nuclear program. North Korea was believed to possess fewer than 250 of these tanks. The Storm Tiger was shown to the public during a North Korean parade in 2010. I've actually saw a video of this parade, and this is the one where they gave the guys cardboard uh, <laughs> rocket launchers, and it was bad. They, they literally had these obviously fake you know, uh, uh, guns that had underneath like our M, uh, M nineties, you know, the AR 15 with uh -huh. the grenade launcher underneath, they had regular, it looked like model rockets underneath them. And it was obviously <laughs> fake. So they're bringing out these tanks and saying, yeah, these are wow. modern things. And da, da, da. I, I'm just, 
I just wonder how yeah. many just died and they, you know, broke down <laughs> on the side of the road and stuff like that. These North Koreans. Okay, Russell, give me some, you know, you have my curiosity about this. Uh, Storm Tiger, give me some of the stats. Its service history is 1992 to present. It was designed by the Second Academy of Defense Science and manufactured by the Ryu Kaiyong Suf Tank Factory. They weigh about 44.3 tons. They are 7 meters long, 3.5 meters wide, 2.2 meters high, and they have a crew of four. It has composite armor. It has a maximum estimated armor thickness of about 500 millimeters versus heat. It has a main armament of a 115 millimeter two-way two-zero gun. It has secondary armament of one 14.5 millimeter heavy anti-aircraft machine gun. It also has one 7.62 millimeter PKT machine gun. It has dual AGS-30 automatic grenade launchers. It is powered by a 12-cylinder diesel engine delivering about 1,000 horsepower. It has a torsion bar suspension and has an operational range of 370 kilometers with a speed of about 60 kilometers per hour. Okay, Russ, uh, what else do we know about this wonder of North Korean engineering? The fire control system of the Storm Tiger is relatively modern and has a computerized meteorological mast and some reports claim that it may be based on the Chieftain FCS, which Iran may have illegally exchanged for North Korean technology. Okay, so it's got the Chieftain's uh, FCS technology, which it, it sold. It basically was given nuclear technology. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is alleged. <laughs> I don't want to make anybody mad. So, okay, they sold Iran. Uh, rice. Let's go with that. And exchange for this technology. But again, that's old yes. technology. But go, go ahead, Russ. I'm sorry. The Storm Tiger's sights are based on the T-72's day and night sighting system with the 1K13-49 periscope combined with passive and active sight guidance system, which is much inferior to the South Korean counterparts. Yeah, because the T-72s is what the Iraqis had, and we were killing those <laughs> left and right. And this South Korean, can shoot, this South Korean uh, Panther tank can sit behind a wall and shoot up in the air. <laughs> Just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting off again. Go ahead. Yeah, once they take out the T-72s, they'll start taking out the North Korean helicopters. The Storm Tiger also has an infrared sensor, a laser rangefinder, and a searchlight, all of which allow the Storm Tiger to operate during the night, although the quality of the equipment are likely inferior to the South Korean counterparts, the Storm Tiger is believed to be a considerable threat at medium and short range engagements, although lacking when firing from long ranges at night. Now, we've said this before, you know, number one, they have a searchlight. Hey, Bob, I can't see what's going on here. Turn on the big spotlight. <laughs> Probably not a good thing to do with a tank that's six miles exactly. away. Exactly. That's what I was but thinking of. Said, yeah. The South Koreans can and, get them six miles away. And you looked at the armor, which is what, 500 millimeters of composite. It's not even reactive. <laughs> and the, the South Koreans can shoot right through it, you know, and they're saying, oh, it's a considerable threat at medium and short ranges. Well, sure. If you've got a 50 caliber sniper rifle, and I walk up behind you and put a twenty-two to the back of your head, I, 
I'm a threat. Yeah. But if I'm six miles away charging you with a 22, I'm in trouble. Yep. You know, to finish this up, I'm not worried about the North Korean tanks as much now as, as they have that's over in North or South Korea. He's deployed over there. You know, I was worried about him, you know, being an M1 Abrams running up against these North Korean tanks. And now I'm not so worried. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have my uh, niece listen to this episode and say, hey, you really don't have to worry about, <laughs> about him in a modern M1 Abrams tank going up against, you know, 1990s chieftain technology uh, ladies and gentlemen we again we're not trying to offend anybody you know uh, um it's just we are impressed with the south koreans uh panther tank we i I've, i think this is one of my new favorite tanks what about you Ross? oh i agree that thing is a beast you know uh so we're gonna go ahead and do our closing and um we got some patreon shouts just do don't we oh yeah 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 i want to give a shout out to alejandro martinez he's still supporting us through patreon uh still have bjorn ben christy mccarty kevin chin ods thero and rick smith good old rick oh i know but you know you know with all the people that are unemployed right now and and, you know having to rely on uh, unemployment insurance which doesn't pay what a regular paycheck does and what little we got with the stimulus, you know, for them to still support us like this, you know, we not, we understand and we are so grateful. Oh, we are. Yes. I agree. 100%. So grateful you for you guys. That's supporting our show. Now, Russ, I wanted to bring this up. Uh, we had a couple of emails on people saying, Hey, what happened to the end, uh, of the two tankers in a uh, tank or two tankers in a cat podcast music at the end and uh you want to explain that oh i'll mention a little bit i'm in the process of changing the music up apparently they think a 1940s or 1950s tv shows song is still copyrighted so we're in the process of coming up with another song to replace it now if anybody has a good non-registered you know song we're we're looking for song things Russ asked me, and I'm like, how about just plain old Yankee Doodle Dandy? (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's got to be some non-registered, you know, high school band that plays that. (laughs) But if you have music ideas, uh, uh, let us know. And uh, we do have uh, a magazine or a book that we're going to give away uh, to our Patreon users. um, or, Or maybe we should just have a contest. Me and Russ are still kicking that idea around. Uh, Russ, do we have anything else to say? I think that's pretty much it for this show. Excellent. Well, I guess that's it then, Russ. Um, This is Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking and have a great week. History is filled with discarded regimes that have foolishly tested America's resolve. Anyone who doubts the strength or determination of the United States should look to our past and you will doubt it no longer.